Shoes and Stockings, a collection of short stories by Louisa May Alcott. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn Francis. Aunt Kip, Part 3, by Louisa May Alcott. Aunt Kip sat bolt upright in the parlor, hemming a small handkerchief adorned with a red ship surrounded by a border of green monkeys. Toady suspected that this elegant article of dress was intended for him, and yearned to possess it. So taking advantage of his mother's and Polly's absence, he strolled into the room, and seating himself on a high, hard chair, folded his hands, crossed his legs, and asked for a story with the thirsting-for-knowledge air which little boys wear in the moral story-books. Now Aunt Kip had one soft place in her heart, though it was partially ossified, as she very truly declared, and Toady was enshrined therein. She thought there never was such a child, and loved him as she had done his father before him, though the rack wouldn't have forced her to confess it. She scolded, snubbed, and predicted he'd come to a bad end in public. But she forgave his naughtiest pranks, always brought him something when she came, and privately intended to make his future comfortable with half of her fortune. There was a dash and daring, a generosity and integrity, about the little fellow that charmed her. Sophie was weak and low-spirited, Polly pretty and headstrong, and Aunt Kip didn't think much of either of them. But Toady defied, distracted, and delighted her, and to Toady she clung, as the one sunshiny thing in her sour, selfish old age. When he made his demure request, she looked at him, and her eyes began to twinkle, for the child's purpose was plainly seen in the loving glances cast upon the pictorial pocket-handkerchief. A story? Yes, I'll tell you one about a little boy who had a kind old, hum, grandma. She was rich and hadn't made up her mind who she'd leave her money to. She was fond of the boy, a deal fonder than he deserved, for he was as mischievous a monkey as any that ever lived in a tree with a curly tail. He put pepper in her snuff-box. Here Toady turned scarlet. He cut up her best frisette to make a mane for his rocking-horse. Toady opened his mouth impulsively, but shut it again without betraying himself. He repeated rude things to her and called her an old agar-water. Here Toady wriggled in his chair and gave a little gasp. "'If you are tired, I won't go on,' observed Aunt Kip mildly. "'I'm not tired, em. It's a very interesting story,' replied Toady, with a gravity that nearly upset the old lady. "'Well, in spite of all this, that kind, good, forgiving Grandma left that bad boy twenty thousand dollars when she died. What do you think of that?' asked Aunt Kip. 
pausing suddenly with her sharp eye on him. "'I—I I think she was a regular dear,' cried Toady, holding on to the chair with both hands, as if that climax rather took him off his legs. "'And what did the boy do about it?' continued Aunt Kip, curiously. "'He bought a velocipede, and gave his sister half, and paid his mother's rent, and put a splendid marble sherrikin over the old lady, and had a jolly good time, and—' "'What in the world is a cherokin?' laughed Aunt Kip, as Toady paused for breath. "'Why, don't you know? It's an angel crying, or pointing up, or flapping his wings. They have them over graves, and I'll give you the biggest one I can find when you die, but I'm not in a very great hurry to have you.' "'Thank ye, dear. I'm in no hurry myself. But Toady, the boy did wrong in giving his sister half. She didn't deserve any. And the grandma left word she wasn't to have a penny of it.' "'Really?' cried the boy with a troubled face. "'Yes, really. If he gave her any, he lost it all. The old lady said so. Now what do you think?' asked Aunt Kip who found it impossible to pardon Polly, perhaps because she was young and pretty and much beloved. Toady's eyes kindled, and his red cheeks grew redder still as he cried out defiantly, "'I think she was a selfish pig, don't you?' "'No, I don't, sir, and I'm sure that little boy wasn't such a fool as to lose the money. He minded his grandma's wishes and kept it all.' "'No, he didn't,' roared Toady, tumbling off his chair in great excitement. "'He just threw it out the winder and smashed the old cherokin all to bits.' Aunt Kip dropped her work with a shrill squeak, for she thought the boy was dangerous as he stood before her, sparring away at nothing as the only vent for his indignation. "'It isn't an interesting story,' he cried. "'and I won't hear any more, and I won't have your money "'if I mayn't go halves with Polly. "'And I'll work to earn more than that, "'and we'll all be jolly together, "'and you may give your twenty thousand to the old rag-bags, "'and so I tell you, Aunt Kip.' "'Why, Toady, my boy, what's the matter?' "'cried a mild voice at the door "'as young Lamb came trotting up to the rescue. "'Never you mind, Baba. I shan't do it. "'and it's a mean shame Polly can't have half. "'Then she could marry you and be so happy,' "'blubbered Toady, running to try to hide his tears of disappointment "'in the coat skirts of his friend. "'Mr. Lamb, I suppose you are that misguided young man?' "'asked Aunt Kip, as if it was a personal insult to herself. "'Van Bar Lamb, ma'am, if you please. "'Yes, thank you,' murmured Baba bowing, blushing, and rumpling his curly fleece in bashful trepidation. "'Don't thank me,' cried the old lady. "'I'm not going to give you anything. Far from it. I object to you altogether. What business have you to come courting my niece?' "'Because I love her, ma'am,' returned Van, with unexpected spirit. "'No, you don't. You want her money, or rather my money.' She depends on it, 
but you'll both be disappointed, for she won't have a penny of it,' cried Aunt Kip, who, in spite of her good resolutions, found it impossible to be amiable all at once. "'I'm glad of it,' burst out Van, indignant at her accusation. "'I didn't want Polly for the money. I always doubted if she got it, and I never wished her to make herself a slave to anybody.' I've got enough for all if we're careful, and when my share of the Van Bar property comes, we shall live in clover. What's that? What property are you talking of? demanded Aunt Kip, pricking up her ears. The great Van Bar estate, ma'am. There has been a long lawsuit about it, but it's nearly settled, and there isn't much doubt that we shall get it. I am the last of our branch, and my share will be a large one. "'Oh, indeed! I wish you joy,' said Aunt Kip, with sudden affability, for she adored wealth, like a few other persons in the world. "'But suppose you don't get it. How then?' "'Then I shall try to be contented with my salary of two thousand, and make Polly as happy as I can. Money doesn't always make people happy or agreeable, I find.' and Van looked at Aunt Kip in a way that would have made her hair stand erect if she had possessed any. She stared at him a moment, then, obeying one of the odd whims that made an irascible weathercock of her, she said abruptly, "'If you had capital, should you go into business for yourself, Mr. Lambkin?' "'Yes, ma'am, at once,' replied Van promptly. "'Suppose you lost the Van Bar money,' "'and someone offered you a tidy little sum to start with. "'Would you take it?' "'It would depend upon who made the offer, ma'am,' said Van, "'looking more like a sheep than ever, "'as he stood staring in blank surprise. "'Suppose it was me. Wouldn't you take it?' "'asked Aunt Kip blandly, for the new fancy pleased her. "'No, thank you, ma'am,' said Van decidedly. "'And why not, pray?' cried the old lady, with a shrillness that made him jump, and Toady back to the door precipitately. "'Because, if you'll excuse my speaking plainly, I think you owe anything you may have to spare to your niece, Mrs. Snow.' And having freed his mind, Van joined Toady, ready to fly if necessary. "'You're an idiot, sir!' "'began Aunt Kip, in a rage again. "'Thank you, ma'am.' "'And Van actually laughed and bowed in return for the compliment. "'Hold your tongue, sir,' snapped the old lady. "'You're a fool, and Sophie is another. "'She's no strength of mine, no sense about anything, "'and would make ducks and drakes of my money "'in less than no time if I gave it to her, "'as I've thought of doing.' "'Mrs. Kip,' "'You forget who you are speaking to. "'Mrs. Snow's sons love and respect her if you don't, "'and they won't hear anything untrue or unkind "'said of a good woman, a devoted mother, "'and an almost friendless widow.' "'Van wasn't a dignified man at all, "'but, as he said that with a sudden flash of his mild eyes, "'there was something in his face and manner "'that daunted Aunt Kip.' "'more than the small fist belligerently shaken at her from behind the sofa. 
the poor old soul was cross and worried and ashamed of herself, and being as feeble-minded as Sophie in many respects, she suddenly burst into tears, and, covering her face with the gay handkerchief, cried as if bent on flooding the red ship in a sea of salt water without delay. "'I'm a poor, lonely, abused old woman,' she moaned, with a green monkey at each eye. "'No one loves me or minds me or thanks me when I want to help em. "'My money's only a worryman and a burden, "'and I don't know what to do with it, "'for people I don't want to leave it to ought to have it, "'and people I do like won't take it. "'Oh, dearie me, what shall I do? What shall I do?' "'Shall I tell you, ma'am?' asked Van gently, for though she was a very provoking old lady, he pitied and wished to help her. A nod and a gurgle seemed to give consent, and boldly advancing, Van said with blush and a stammer, but a very hearty voice, "'I think, ma'am, if you'd do the right thing with your money,' "'you'd be at ease and find it saved a deal of worry all round. "'Give it to Mrs. Snow. "'She deserves it, poor lady, for she's had a hard time "'and done her duty faithfully. "'Don't wait till you are, that is, till you, "'well, till you in point of fact die, ma'am. "'Give it now and enjoy the happiness it will make. "'Give it kindly. "'Let them see you're glad to do it. "'And I am sure you'll find them grateful. "'I'm sure you won't be lonely any more, "'or feel that you are not loved and thanked. "'Try it, ma'am, just try it,' cried Van, "'getting excited by the picture he drew. "'And I give you my word I'll do my best "'to respect and love you like a son, ma'am.' "'He knew that he was promising a great deal, "'but for Polly's sake he felt that he could make "'even that Herculean effort.' Aunt Kip was surprised and touched, but the contrary old lady couldn't make up her mind to yield so soon, and wouldn't have done it if Toady hadn't taken her by storm. Having a truly masculine horror of tears, a very tender heart under his tailless jacket, and being much tumbled up and down in his own mind by the events of the week, the poor little lad felt nerved to attempt any novel enterprise, even that of voluntarily embracing Aunt Kip. First, a grimy little hand came on her shoulder as she sat sniffing behind the handkerchief. Then, peeping out, she saw an apple-cheeked face very near her own, with eyes full of pity, penitence, and affection. And then she heard a choky little voice say earnestly, "'Don't cry, Auntie. I'm sorry I was rude. Please be good to Mother and Polly, and I'll love and take care of you and stand by you all my life. Yes, I'll—I'll I'll kiss you. I will, by George.' And with one promiscuous plunge the Spartan boy cast himself into her arms. That finished Aunt Kip. She hugged him close and cried out with a salute that went off like a pistol shot. "'Oh, my dear, my dear, this is better than a dozen cherokins!' 
When Toady emerged, somewhat flushed and tumbled, Mrs. Snow, Polly, and Van were looking on with faces full of wonder, doubt, and satisfaction. To be an object of interest was agreeable to Aunt Kipp, and as her old heart was really softened, she met them with a gracious smile and extended the olive branch generally. "'Sophie, I shall give my money to you at once and entirely, only asking that you'll let me stay with you when Polly's gone. I'll do my best to be agreeable, and you'll bear with me because I'm a cranky, solitary old woman and I loved your husband.' Mrs. Snow hugged her on the spot and gushed, of course, murmuring thanks, welcomes, and promises in one grateful burst. "'Polly, I forgive you. I consent to your marriage, and will provide your wedding finery. Mr. Lamb, you are not a fool, but a very excellent young man. I thank you for saving my life, and I wish you well with all my heart. You needn't say anything. I'm far from strong, and all this agitation is shortening my life.' Polly and Van shook her hand heartily, and beamed upon each other like a pair of infatuated turtle-doves with good prospects. "'Toady, you are as near an angel as a boy can be. Put a name to whatever you most wish for in the world, and it's yours,' said Aunt Kip, dramatically waving the rest away. With his short legs wide apart, his hands behind him, and his rosy face as round and radiant as a rising sun, Toady stood before the fire, surveying the scene with the air of a man who had successfully carried through a difficult and dangerous undertaking, and wasn't proud. His face brightened, then fell, as he heaved a sigh and answered with a shake of his curly head, "'You can't give me what I want most. There are three things, and I've got to wait for them all.' "'Gracious me, what are they?' cried the old lady good-naturedly, for she felt better already. "'A mustache, a beaver, and a sweetheart,' answered Toady, with his eyes fixed wistfully on Baba, who possessed all these blessings, and was particularly enjoying the latter at that moment.' How Aunt Kip did laugh at this early budding of romance in her pet, and all the rest joined her, for Toady's sentimental air was irresistible. "'You precocious chick! I dare say you will have them all before we know where we are. Never mind, dearie. You shall have my little watch and the silver-headed cane with a boar's head on it.' "'answered the old lady, in high good humor. "'You needn't blush, dear. "'I don't bear malice, so let's forget and forgive. "'I shall settle things to-morrow and have a free mind. "'You are welcome to my money, "'and I hope I shall live to see you all enjoy it.' "'So she did, for she lived to see Sophie plump, "'cheery, and care-free.' Polly surrounded by a flock of lambkins, Van in possession of a generous slice of the Van Bar fortune, Toady reveling in the objects of his desire, and best of all, she lived to find that
that it is never too late to make oneself useful, happy, and beloved. End of Part 3 End of Aunt Kip by Louisa May Alcott